0: Hey, everybody. It's me, Stu Helm, a food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It's a podcast that I record throughout the week, and then I put it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville broadcasting to the world. Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting radio show for you, or podcast if you're listening online. And uh, But before I get to the rest of the show, I want to talk about something. I want to talk about someone. I want to talk about Tubby. Now, you may not be aware, but Tubby, T-U-B-B-Y, Tubby, is the brand new mascot of Duke's Mayonnaise. Now, uh, we all love Dukes up here in in Asheville, and we use a lot of Dukes, like per capita, probably spreading a lot of Dukes around in this town because of all the chefs that cook. They love it, so it's kind of the chef's favorite mayonnaise, if they're not making their own, which some of them do. But uh, yeah, we love Dukes up here, and I discovered this Tubby mascot online, and Tubby's hilarious. It's a big... He, he is, a and, and Dukes does gender identify Tubby as a he, so I will as well. And Tubby is a big old jar of mayonnaise with a crazy look on his face. If you can picture a jar of Dukes and picture the label, you will remember that it's a, a yellow label with a large black circle in the middle of it. So the designers of the costume uh, have taken that large black circle and they have made that into Tubby's mouth, basically. So he's got this big, round, screaming mouth. And then these two crazy-looking eyeballs that... The crazy thing about these eyeballs is that they the pupils are not round. They are like crazy amoeba shapes. And so that gives Tubby a very frenzied look. And then Tubby has some giant eyebrows that have been described uh, by the people making comments on my posts on Facebook about Tubby. His eyebrows has have been described as very Eugene Levy esque or Levy. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm actually not sure how Eugene Levy's. I think it's Levy. Uh, but anyways, big giant eyebrows, and so crazy screaming uh, face. The designers of Tubby, a company called Avant Garb, and you can look them up at avantgarb.com. The the very designers of Tubby describe him as unhinged. So (laughs) he is the unhinged Duke's mayonnaise giant jar of Duke's mascot and his name is tubby and he apparently does not speak ever because they make some references to that but the reason i bring up tubby is for one thing i am very into mascots uh like super into them i am a hockey fan and i love gritty who is the mascot of the philadelphia flyers now i am a red wings fan in terms of like the team i support but gritty is like the greatest mascot ever so i love gritty uh, and the red wings have a terrible mascot so whatever um but and i myself have been known to dress up as banjo the whistle pig who was the mascot for a children's newspaper i used to uh edit back in the day edit and publish back in the day and um banjo with with my partner tim arum hey tim if you're listening and uh, Banjo was a giant whistle pig, which is just a colloquial word for a woodchuck or a groundhog, whatever you prefer. Um, and he played a Banjo. And I had a giant full head Banjo mascot costume. You can find pictures of me out there dressed as this Banjo character. Um, but anyways, I found Tubby and I was like, man, I got to get Tubby to come here to Asheville, right? Like a, a Tubby visit. We've had the Mobile come by recently. Uh, and other famous people like Diane Keaton and Peter Dinklage and Woody Harrelson and people like that coming through our town. Well, what about Tubby? So I wrote to Dukes and I said, what's it going to take to get Tubby up here to Asheville? And Dukes wrote back right away. And they said, Tubby probably won't be making the trip to Asheville anytime soon, but hopefully at some point in the future. He sends his love. Well, it was a pretty much straight up rejection. Tubby won't be coming anytime soon. But I don't, but I was, I was given hope when he said, maybe at some point in the future, exclamation point, there's not mine. And, and he sends his love. So I wrote back and I just said, basically, what if dot, 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 we left a trail of deviled eggs that leads right from Tubby's front door to Asheville City Hall. And then I asked, "Does Tubby enjoy craft beer by any chance?" And I have not received a response from Dukes to those two inquiries. But I am not ready to give up on this dream, people. And you guess, and and, and guess who else is not ready to give up on this dream? You and everybody here in this town. We are not giving up on my dream to bring Tubby to this town. I think that Asheville actually, and this is on a kind of a more serious note, I think Asheville needs to to develop a little more civic pride amongst the locals. The locals talk a lot of trash about our own city these days, and I still love Asheville. I know it's changed a lot, but um, I still love it, and I think we need to develop some civic pride, and I think a visit from Tubby to our city hall, where I'm prepared to hand this guy a key to the city if I have to make this thing out of styrofoam myself. And I think that that would generate a lot of fun for downtown. And I know that the chefs and the restaurants would want to be involved. They're already writing to me and saying, like, hey, count me in for this Tubby campaign. And uh, I've got Asheville Food and Beverage United on my side. They wrote to me this morning and said, "We're we're behind you on this get Tubby to Asheville thing, Stu. And the thing about AFBU and Jen Hampton, they know how to organize. Like They know how to get things done. So I'm actually building an online petition and I'll announce that next week. And we are going to do our best, Asheville, to get this crazy mascot to come to our city and hang out with us for a day. And we are going to have, if if I have to do a mayonnaise festival to make this happen, well, I'm not going to do that because I swore on all things unholy that I would never do another festival again. But... I don't know if I have to make a dozen deviled eggs to make it happen. I will go that far. All right. So that's my Tubby campaign. And uh, check check out Tubby online. Let me. I, I'm going to read you a little bit of Tubby's story before we move on. Uh, like and This is straight from the Duke's Mayonnaise uh, webpage. Like all jars of Duke's Mayonnaise, Tubby dreamed of one day being spread over sourdough and topped with tomatoes or blended into a pimento cheese dip. I'm behind both of those things, Tubby. Unfortunately, and again, reading from the page, unfortunately, Tubby was placed on the back of the shelf where he watched other jars of mayonnaise get scooped up instead of him. But one day, the almighty twang, and I was not aware, but I guess that Duke's mayonnaise has its own deity called capital A, almighty, capital T, twang, exclamation point, they refer to this sort of almighty God several times on their own webpage. But, anyways, but one day the almighty Twang called upon him, bringing Tubby to life with a new purpose to spread Dukes across the world. So, the Twang befit our jar with sentience, limbs, and an unrequited love for Dukes mayonnaise and freaking crazy eyebrows. It says that right there on the Dukes website. So, the. Dukes has a sense of humor. Let's put it that way. And then just to wrap up this little written bio of Tubby searching for outlets to profess his Duke's devotion led Tubby to appear at the doorstep of Duke's HQ. We welcomed him with open arms and eventually offered him the position of mascot. Tubby never said yes, but he also never said no. And that was the first clue that I got that Tubby doesn't speak a word because he didn't say anything. Uh, but yeah, so I was given hope when I learned that Tubby was searching for outlets to profess his Duke's devotion. Hey, Asheville, that is an outlet for you, Tubby. All right. Well, I will move on from this madness and we'll get to the rest of the show. Thank you for putting up with me and, uh, support my bring Tubby to Asheville campaign. All right, everybody, and we're back here in the studio recording the show. Uh, I'm Stu Helm, the host of the show. And you know what's funny about this show is this show doesn't really have a name. (laughs) It's kind of, sort of called the Asheville Food Fans Show, but I just call it that. Like, it doesn't have an official name. It's just me talking to you basically about food and other issues in and around the food industry. And uh, right now, I want to talk to you about an issue in and around the food industry. And that issue is um, addiction. It's a heavy issue. And, you know, on this show, I generally try to keep things pretty light and talk about food and recommend tacos and burgers to you all. But... There's a lot of struggle with addiction in the food industry. So much so that there is an organization dedicated to those uh, folks, the folks who need help with addiction who are in the food industry. And one of the special, one of the kind of special needs about food industry people around addiction, and especially alcohol, but really everything is uh, that if you want to stay in the industry, you're going to be surrounded by that stuff at all times. And alcohol is a really easy one to talk about because it's very obvious. You're, if you're in the food industry, the food and beverage industry, and well, beverages could include a glass of milk, it's usually referring to cocktails. And uh, beer, wine, hard cider, things like that. And if you want to stay in the industry, you're going to be around that stuff. And I know that one of the ways to combat uh, cravings for alcohol is to stay away from it, is to keep it out of your house, keep it out of your reach, keep it out of your sight. And that can be a totally legitimate way to deal with it. I'm not by any means an expert on addiction. I should, I actually should qualify this segment with that right there that I'm not an expert on it except for that I am a recovered recovering however you want to put it alcoholic I drank way too much I started too young I started drinking heavily when I was 15 and I drank very heavily until I was about 45 and um I I drank beer primarily but really at a certain point of the night I drank whatever you put in front of me and it was an issue for me when i did quit a lot of my friends were like gosh i didn't really think you had a problem with that so i get you know i guess it's not always visible to your friends and family but it it there i'm sure there are other people in my life who haven't articulated like yeah you were super out of control that knew that but i knew that at a certain point in my life I had to give it up and so I I quit I quit cold turkey one day and I have never ha- I haven't had a drink in 12 years um so I and I've also never attended a meeting at, and I about alcoholism like an AA meeting or any kind of meeting around addiction and I am as I mentioned not an expert in any way I've never even read a book about it I just decided to stop drinking and I did so, uh, you can, some people might call me what they refer to as a dry drunk, and that is somebody who hasn't gone through the 12 steps. And while I haven't gone through the 12 steps, I've had a lot of therapy. And uh, you can call me a dry drunk if you want. That doesn't bother me. But I know that drinking was a bad thing in my life, and now I don't do it. So, my life is much better. But all of that is just to preface the this segment, and which is really about this organization for people in the industry. It's called, and you may already know this, it's called Ben's Friends. And it's a new-ish organization, and it is dedicated entirely to people within the industry. And it's just a place to talk. That's really all it is. I was made aware of Ben's friends a couple of years ago. I'm very public about the fact that I don't drink. And one of the reasons I am public about that is because when I started to write about food, people started to send free drinks to my table. At one point in my life, free drinks was my favorite two words in the English language. Right. So that could, that was a little, as they say, triggering for me. And so I was like, Man, I got to tell the world that I don't drink because these MFers be tempting me every step of the way if I don't get a handle on that myself. I had to take some control of my own life and be very public about the fact that I don't drink. And people are very respectful of that fact, and they do not send drinks to my table. So that's out there. I don't drink. And so people made me aware of Ben's friends when a chapter was, uh, quote-unquote, opened or started, or however you want to say it here in Asheville. And I I never attended a meeting, but I was supportive of the group. I'm just not a meetings person, but I understand they help other people. Uh, My dad, who's no longer with us, he was a huge proponent of AA. And so AA saved his life. And it has saved the lives of many of my friends and family. So it's just because I don't go to meetings doesn't mean I don't believe in the power of AA, the power of meetings and the 12-step program. I do very much. It's just not my thing. Uh so I'm made aware of Ben's friends. I'm helping to spread the word about it as much as I can, but I'm not attending. And then more recently, somebody reached out to me and they asked me if I would become more involved. And I told them pretty much what I just told you, that I'm not a meetings kind of a guy, but that I would get more involved. And let me just tell you, and this is going out to everybody in the food industry and anybody who knows people who are working in the food industry that are struggling with alcohol and drugs and even sexual addiction, what have you, it's in the food industry. This is for you right now. Uh, They have on Ben's Friends daily meetings online and while we no longer have live meetings here in Asheville it was just too difficult to maintain with the lack of transportation public transportation and la-di-da million reasons why things don't work but um so now I'm encouraging everybody to attend these zoom meetings that happen online and they are daily at 1 p.m and 11 p.m so day shift night shift And uh, you can join on through Zoom. All you need is a device with a decent microphone and camera uh, and speakers or earbuds or what have you, and, um, and a decent connection to the Internet. And then you can attend. And let me tell you straight up, you do not need to turn on your video camera when you attend. I did not. I didn't feel like being on video because I I decided to do some work while I listened in to the meeting. So, I decided instead of trying to re-kickstart the live meetings here in Asheville, which was not my personal passion, I decided to start attending the Zoom meetings, the national Zoom meetings, so I could learn more about Ben's friends myself. And while I still have a long way to go and I'm going to keep attending and learn more and more, I learned a lot just by attending two meetings. And uh, I learned that you can attend without turning on your video camera. I learned that you are muted and you can opt not to participate and you just listen. And they will even tag you just listening. So nobody, the moderator won't call on you. Sometimes there's two moderators, um, but there's always a moderator and everybody is muted except for the person that the moderator calls on. So there's no what they call crosstalk. And I know that in live meetings, crosstalk can be. Uh, problematic, and it can be hard for a moderator to control, especially if the moderator is not an assertive personality. And so, the fact that the Zoom meetings are set up so that there is no possibility for crosstalk is really conducive to the whole thing, in my opinion. And uh, the moderators that I've experienced with the two I've attended were really, really good. They were really good at what they did, they were sensitive they were on point they were like on time with like who's turning on who's mic and who wants to talk they were chatting with the group through the chat mode on zoom and they were they contacted me as soon as i joined one of the moderators contacted me directly told me the subject so they have a subject for every meeting like a topic and then i opted not to participate so they just marked me listening and so that's great because one of the things about AA is the second A, the anonymous part. Um, There is some comfort and anonymity. And basically I just wanted not to participate because I'm new and I don't want to, I want to learn before I speak. And I also wanted to do other things while I was listening. So I didn't want to distract everybody. So, but that was great. Total anonymity, if you want it, except for your name is on the screen, but you can create a, uh what do you call it a screen name if you prefer and so let's get to the meeting itself yeah they they choose a topic and they uh the topics that uh i tuned into one was how to do the same things differently which really relates to what I mentioned about if you're in the food industry and you want to stay in the food industry, you can't just ditch it. You can't just be like, well, I don't go to bars anymore because you work in a bar. Um, or I am I just don't touch alcohol because you're being asked to actually literally touch alcohol to bring it to other people. So how do you do the same things differently, not just at work, but in your life? How do you socialize differently? and And that might be very different. Like I had to you know, stop going to bars, basically uh, a certain kind of bar uh, dive bars. I was a dive bar uh, lizard. And so I, and I love dive bars still, but I don't, I don't go to, them. I go to fancy ass bars and I have fancy ass $10 mocktails and stuff. But uh, so that was one of the topics and then everybody talks and let me just cut to the chase and say, If you're in the food industry, attend these meetings and you're struggling with alcoholism or addiction of any kind, attend these dang meetings because they're so insightful. They're so great. It was really awesome to hear people in the food industry tell their stories. And that's what the meeting basically is, is people telling stories. And you're going to read if you're in the industry yourself, you're going to relate to almost every single story and every single person telling the stories And not to cheapen it in any way, but it was like a great podcast. And, you know, I love me a great podcast. I listen to them all day long. That's like, I'm either listening to music or podcasts all day long. And so I really enjoy them. And the stories that these folks were telling were so great. And so like either funny or poignant, You like they jerked some tears out of me with this thing. And I was like laughing out loud. a guy read a poem and you know, poems can be real bad, but this was a good poem. And it was really like a podcast with segments to it. And each person told the story. It was like a this American life or something, but all food industry people talking about what they want to talk about. And, I don't just mean it had entertainment value, which it actually did. So the meetings are entertaining. I mean, people in the food industry can tell a story. A lot of them are very performative, or perf- performative is not the right word. They're very, they, they like to perform. Maybe performative is the right word. I don't know, but they like to tell a story and they're good at it. And it's fun to listen to, but it's also very helpful and insightful. And even me, after 12 years of sobriety with, no desire to attend meetings, I got insights out of this meeting that are going to help me to live my sober life. Uh, And I'm not completely sober, folks. I smoke weed. And so that's one reason I don't attend AA meetings, because they really discourage that. But um, my non-alcohol life is made even better by attending these meetings. So hop on go to bensfriends.com or whatever just look it up on google i'm sure you can find it ain't that hard to find read their mandate get yourself familiar and log on to these meetings because they're great all right that's my sort of extended psa for this show let's hear a little music and then we'll get back to talking about food All right, folks, and we're back, and I just want to give a little bit of a review about a couple of things that I ate last week. First of all, getting back to White Duck Taco, I know I talk about them a lot, but they are the very first restaurant in the 10 years I've been eating and blogging about food in Asheville, the first restaurant to basically challenge me to eat every item on their menu. And I, I I haven't eaten all the sides. They were like, eat all of our tacos if you can, Stu. And I did that I Ate every single taco. And I've talked to you guys about it. There's about like, I don't know, 20 tacos on their menu, let's just say, at any given time. And they, they do come and go seasonally. But I thought that I was at the end of my taco adventures with White Duck and I could just go back to eating my favorites, which I have done since then. But then I learned they do a special taco only on Friday and Saturday, and it is a seared ahi tuna taco, and uh, they were like, you got to come get get this one, man, that's on our menu, and so I made a special trip downtown on a weekend, I don't usually go downtown on the weekends, to be honest with you, because I don't work on the weekends, and I work downtown, so I just kind of stay home on the weekends, but I went downtown, I got me one of these tuna poke tacos, and boy, howdy, it was awesome. I'm telling you, these White Duck folks, they're batting a thousand. Uh my taco adventure through their menu was excellent. There was not one taco I didn't thoroughly enjoy. No clunkers, no turds, no nothing bad happened to me along the way, and this tuna poke taco sh- shot straight to the top of the charts with me. My three favorite tacos from their menu right now are there. Crispy pork belly taco with pickled watermelon rind and green onion aioli. That one's a guaranteed hit with 99% of the people. I know that because I feed it to my food tours on occasion. And also the Korean beef and kimchi taco. So flavorful and so delicious. And now this tuna poke taco, which has some ponzu, some Japanese style mayonnaise, uh, some other stuff on there and it is really really good. So on a Friday and a Saturday, get on into White Duck Taco and get this amazing ahi uh tuna taco. And FYI, I always go to the one downtown because that's basically my neighborhood. I live in a neighborhood adjacent to downtown. So I'm not actually aware if they have these on every menu at every White Duck. So you might want to call ahead before you go to get this particular ahi tuna taco. Um, but even if you show up and it's not on the menu, get any of their other tacos, I can totally 100% vouch for all of them. All right. So that's white duck. Now we want to move on to all souls pizza where Don and I went to get uh dinner the other night and it was, it was just so good, man. I love that place. For one thing, I love the people who work there. Uh, Chad, just one of the greatest people in the food service industry. And, um, uh, and we and we've been going since they opened pretty much cuz it's kind of right in our neighborhood and we got our favorite pizza which is their pepperoni banana pepper and honey pizza and might sound weird to some people might sound delicious to other people i me and don we find it really delicious it is our current favorite pizza on their menu try that one and then we got a crab salad that was really delicious uh, I posted some pictures of it and it took some heat for not looking very good. The crab meat was kind of gray in color and I did try to bump up the warmth and stuff on the photo, but it was hard to combat that. And I'm not sure why it was that color, but it was freaking delicious. And I it might have just been cooked with a ceviche style. I'm not sure what made it not appear as delicious as it tasted. But if you saw the pictures forgive the pictures and try this crab salad. It also had some whole cashews on top of it. And it was on like a bed of greens. So try that. And then kind of the most unique thing that we had, well, that Dawn had, because we both got soft serve ice cream, which is a great addition to their, what they do there at All Souls. So I just got a vanilla uh, soft serve because I just wanted to go straight up like that. But Dawn got a chocolate vanilla swirl, and they used dark chocolate. So it's a dark chocolate and vanilla swirl. And then she had olive oil and salt put on top of it, which is one of the toppings they offer. Something I had never heard of before, and I tasted it. It was great. Like That was very unique and delicious. And I didn't think soft serve ice cream could get any better than it already is, but man, this olive oil and salt treatment was really something else. So there you go. Just a couple of, oh, one more thing I wanted to add was that for Asheville Food Tours, we did add a new partner this week, and that's exciting for us and for the partner and for the patrons um, and that partner is bun intended inside the SW cafeteria building. We now are working with every food vendor inside the very beautiful and exciting SW cafeteria food court. And those food vendors, in case you don't know, and please get on downtown. Locals, don't miss out. It's not that crowded right now. In fact, the, the, the s and a lot of times, is pretty mellow. So get downtown. There's plenty of parking. Don't worry about that. You might have to pay for parking. That is a thing in the modern world. But get into the S&W. The building is gorgeous. It hasn't been open to the public for most of the 18 years I've been living in Asheville. But it's open to the public now, so don't let that opportunity go to waste. And the food vendors in there are Farm Dog making uh, house-made hot dogs with grass-fed beef. Local grass-fed beef. uh Criolla by Chef Santiago Vargas making Peruvian food. He's about to switch to an all-empanada menu, and he showed it to me. And there are shrimp and grit empanadas on his new menu, so I can't wait to go try those. And then we have Bun Intended. I'm doing them in order. Bun Intended, the Thai restaurant with the steamed bao buns, uh famous food truck run by Shorty and her partner, Kyle, And uh, delicious bao buns, as well as steamed rice bowls. And that's what they fed to our food tour, was a nice grilled chicken rice bowl. And uh, then we have Buxton Hall, their chicken palace. It's just doing fried chicken sandwiches. And get on in there. Those chicken sandwiches, Food and Wine Magazine called them one of the best in the Southeast I gave it a chicken uh, sandwich of the year award back in 2017. It's just as good as ever. And then we have ice cream by the Hop. Uh, we all know the Hop, one of our favorites here in Asheville. Been around for a gajillion years and making amazing ice cream. And then we have a brand new venue. Please go give them some love. They are called Gourmand and they are importing all kinds of fancy cheese, charcuterie. Wine they're making very european style sandwiches, like a butter and ham on a baguette sandwich, very popular in france and and very delicious and they are really nice people they're brand new to town. they just moved here and opened up Gourmand, so go give them some love and then tying it all together is Highland beer, our original craft brewer here in Asheville, and Oscar Wong, I think was just knighted by the king of england or something he just received some huge award like i can't recall it right now but if i could give oscar wong an award i would and maybe i will i i give out awards to people maybe and maybe soon oscar will receive one of my awards and then and then he will have made it i'm kidding of course oscar will be like what is this i did meet oscar one time but that was during sort of during the pandemic like shutdown period there was a food competition and i was a judge at one of them and the tables for the judges we each sat at individual tables and the tables were like 20 feet apart from each other so i didn't even though he was like sitting right next to me technically he was 20 feet away from me so i didn't really and everybody was scared of covid so we didn't really get a chance to talk but the little bit that i did get to talk to oscar super nice guy and thank you oscar wong and highland brewing for kicking off our craft beer era that really did help save Asheville from economic obscurity. All right, folks, let's get to the rest of the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to Food Fan Headquarters. And right now, I want to do just a little shout out to my good friends at Methville Indian Restaurant downtown on Biltmore Avenue, and that's M-E-H-F-I-L, Methville, and it is a great restaurant that has grown very close to my heart. I've eaten there many times myself, but I also bring in food tours whenever I can, and I've gotten to know the owners, Raj and Al, a little bit, and they are two of my favorite people in the food biz right now, especially my friend Raj, who I see more often. I I just love this guy. And, and Al's awesome, too. And when I see him, it's just really nice. But I do see Raj a little more often. And also, can I just admit that Raj and I are about the same size, and I'm a small person. And so it I just always really gravitate towards other small people and uh, so I really like Raj I really like everybody who works there I haven't gotten to know them all by name but my friend Manaz I want to give her a shout out she is an awesome server and a very professional uh, front of the house person and the food at, at Methville Indian Restaurant is just top Notch. Now, the very first Indian food I ever ate in my life was from an excellent high-end Indian restaurant in Boston, Massachusetts, and it was great, and there are actually a lot of great Indian restaurants in Boston, Mass., and I, so I had a pretty high bar for Indian food, and when I got here to Asheville, of course, I went to Mela, and I enjoyed the food there, and there's a couple of other Indian places we used to go to. Uh, I'm not sure if they're still around and the food was good. We enjoyed it. And of course, chaipani, but chaipani is a whole different deal. It's like Indian street food. But when Mephil opened up, it was like, oh, those amazing sort of high end Indian flavors came back to me. Oh, I, I left out Blue Dream Curry, which is no longer with us, but I did. they did have Indian curries as well as other Uh, curries from other parts of the world and their curry was really good but it wasn't like the kind of traditional american style indian restaurant that we all really love here in america Um, and the food at at most of those kind of indian restaurants is from northern india and with and at meffill that is the case a lot of northern indian food few southern Indian dishes, which tend to be a little spicier. Uh, Great cocktail menu from what I can tell by the expressions on people's faces when I give them cocktails with the food tours. They seem to really love the cocktails there. I always get a mango lassi, which is (laughs) really good. And all of the food's amazing. So let's shout out their chef, Chef Vikas Kurial. He is a world-class master chef. This guy, is like a superstar amongst us. When I make posts on Facebook about Chef Vikas, people from India respond to them, and they pipe up, and they say, this is our favorite chef. This guy represents our region of India so well. And hi, Chef Vikas. And like it's just like this love fest from India for the chef. And he's new to town, so go on in to Methville, uh, uh, down there on Biltmore Ave, downtown, the chef a visit, tell them Stu sent you, just wanted to shout out one of my favorite new places that I really love these days, Methville Indian Restaurant. All right, everybody, I'm back, and I'm just going to review one more thing before we say goodbye for the week, and that thing is Bamba, the restaurant located right downtown on the corner of Patton Ave and Biltmore Ave, right across the street from the Art Museum. Tiny, tiny little space, just I don't know, five seats, maybe ten seats inside, two five two tops, and uh, some seating outside. So when the weather is nice, you can sit outside, but when the weather is not nice, they've got super limited seating. And the food at Bamba is awesome. It's owned by Chef Hector Diaz, one of our most long-lived chefs in this town. He's been cooking for us for as long as I've lived here and much longer than that. Uh, He owns Salsas, of course, which is right next door to Bamba. And he also owns Modesto, which is over in the Grove Arcade. Modesto, one of the best restaurants in the whole city. Uh, perhaps a little underrated or under by the eaters of Asheville. But if you haven't been to Modesto, get on in. The food is amazing. And back in the day, Hector also owned Chorizo's, which was one of my favorite places to go for breakfast. Uh, that was also in the Grove Arcade, but that has since uh, closed up. And he also was one of the original owners of Zambra. He started Zambra with some friends and investors, I believe. Um, no longer involved with Zombra, but he's got salsas, Modesto, and bomba. So let's concentrate on Bamba. For one thing, Bamba is mostly known for breakfast and lunch and lots of it, like giant piles of food come out of Bamba, and it's super delicious. I and I've been a fan since they opened. I've been here in Asheville long enough to remember when that little space was a cigar store, Um, and it was called the Havana or something like that, I believe. And then it turned into Sisters McMullen, which was a muffin shop, and the muffins were really, really good. And then Sister McMullen moved out to Merriman Ave, and uh, they have since shut down, and Geraldine's is in the space on Merriman Ave where they were. But getting back downtown to uh, Patton Ave and Biltmore and Bamba, um, when the Sisters McMillan moved out, Hector, who was at Salsa's right next door, they abut each other. um, He took it over and started up his third restaurant. uh, No, that would be his fifth restaurant in Nashville. And I fell in love with it right away. The food is just super delicious, very hearty. Uh, you always get some fruit. This is one thing I love about Bamba. For breakfast and lunch, you're mostly, especially for breakfast, you're going to get a side of fruit and the fruit's going to be really ripe and delicious. You're not going to be getting any like sour, sour fruit and hard strawberries and an apple. Like there's never an apple in his fruit salad. It's always like melon and mango and bright and colorful. And so I really appreciate that. I am not by nature, a fruit eater. So, you got to put some right in front of me and make it delicious for me to eat it. I know that as a living being, I need fruit in my diet. So, I appreciate Chef Hector for throwing some on the plate for me. And of course, uh, Chef Erica as well, who works with Hector and has been there for ages and ages and actually got a Snoopy Award from me a few years back. So, uh, thank you for the fruit, both of you. And for the brunch itself, uh, now let me talk about a recent brunch I had there. I went that, and get on in. That's, this is the whole point of this interview is to tell you to get on into Bamba. And in the bigger picture, especially for my locals, get on into downtown Asheville. I know that y'all got scared off uh, when things got all weird and crazy during the pandemic. And now Asheville has a reputation for being a a weird, scary town now. And I can tell you it's as nice as pie downtown. I'm down there all the time. Yeah, there's some homeless people. There's some uh, crime that happens. It is a city in America. So crime and homelessness are a reality. But it's not like... Uh, there's not like tent cities all over the place the way there are in Portland or LA and there's not crime running rampant in the streets it's just some occasional crime but any hoodles I got a little distracted by that the whole point of this is to tell you to come back downtown because it's actually really nice downtown and right now it is not overrun with tourists I just want to emphasize that while there are tourists yeah, there are other people downtown, and there are other cars, and you might have to pay for parking and such. It's worth it because people come, I'm telling you what, people come from all over the world to visit our city for a reason. So if you live right in Asheville and you're not coming downtown, you're missing out on something that people pay a lot of money to come do. Anyhow, let's get back to this brunch I had recently at Bamba. I had this thing that was an Atlanta Crab Cake migas. And migas, as far as I understand, just means stuff or things like migas is just what you've got and you mix it all together and you make some food. I might have a very bad or wrong misunderstanding of this, of what migas is, but that's what it seems to be because it it seems to be different everywhere I go. And and karate has some migas that are very different than what I'm about to describe. So this was blue crab meat all mixed in with a beautiful sauce. And some fried uh tortilla strips and all kinds of onions and deliciousness and a couple of poached or um over easy eggs on top, and the eggs were cooked perfectly, which is a is not easy to do always and uh and then there was a side a beautiful giant side of fruit with some avocado on the side and lots of crab meat all in there and it was freaking delicious and a lot of it and i powered my way through it and i crushed the whole thing just crushed it so that was delicious i recommend that specifically it's called the atlanta blue crab migas m-i-g-a-s but if you don't get that just get anything else on their brunch menu it's freaking great So let's talk about dinner now because Bamba is not always open for dinner. One thing about Bamba is that the hours I describe them as being the most mercurial hours in Asheville. I never really know when they're going to be open, but, uh, and when they are open, I try to pounce. And so right now they're open for dinner and they've got this whole wild new dinner menu that you got to check out online. It's just got a ton of great food and a lot of it very unique and exciting. And I went in, well, first of all, yesterday I was walking through town, I popped into Bomba to see if they were going to be open after my food tour, which ended at 7 30. And there was Chef Hector right there, and he was all excited that I was coming back for dinner. So he was there when I came back and he threw some food in front of me that I did not order, as well as the food that I did order. So what I what I did order is something called Fidewa Barcelona. Fidewa. Now um, forgive my, uh, pronunciation, please. But I did look that up online, how to pronounce it. And as far as I could tell, it's pronounced Fidewa, Fidewa Barcelona. And it is also known as noodle paella. So it's like a paella, but instead of the rice or the, uh, the pasta on the bottom, the paella pasta on the bottom, I'm sorry. I said rice by accident. I'm thinking of something else that it's very much like an orzo thing or, Arazzo. Oh my God, I'm getting all stumbled up on this. One thing about me as a food writer is I know almost absolutely nothing about food. <laughs> I just really love to eat it. And I try to educate myself about it as much as I can, but I'm telling you what, there is a lot to learn and I haven't learned at all. But anyways, this is like a noodle paella, it's got beautiful thin noodles on the bottom, a wonderful sauce, and it had South Carolina shrimp, their housemade Spanish chorizo, and big nice pieces of organic chicken and the flavor was on point and it was huge of course and it came out in an iron skillet and it was one of the most unique and delicious things I've eaten in a while um it it uh it, it was kind of mind blowing in a way. So get it, it. If you're inclined to that kind of, uh, food, seafood, if you like seafood, go get that. And it's also got the chicken and the chorizo. So a little surf, uh, surf and turf, or we'll, we used to call that the dragon and the Phoenix or, or something like that. The Lobster and chicken used to be called dragon and Phoenix. So I'm going to go with that. Um, all right. Also I forgot to mention that uh chef sent out a little, um, appetizer for me that was a a deep fried tortilla with local uh, mushroom sauteed and a garlic sauce topped with a perfectly cooked egg that was crispy around the edge and like nice and runny in the middle and then some caviar on top of that and it was fantastic so you you see where I'm going like Bamba has some pretty fancy food right now uh, and you should try to take advantage. They, he also sent out some oysters, some raw oysters for me that were super delicious, and he put a little blob of caviar on those for me as well. And uh, and just moving on to the other things he sent out, he sent out a dish that I couldn't find on the menu, so I'm not sure if it's there, but it was octopus, and he does have an octopus dish on the menu, a blackened octopus dish to share Maybe this was that, but this did have some polenta underneath the octopus, which is not listed with the blackened octopus on the menu. So I'm not 100 sure if they're the same dish. Now, just a caveat: I do not eat a lot of octopus. Uh, this, when I learned that they were like sentient beings, basically, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not going to get all political about it or anything, but. I just don't eat a lot of octopus. I don't enjoy it tremendously. And so I don't go out of my way to eat it. But if it's in front of me, like anything, if it's in front of me and it has already been cooked and everything, I'm going to eat it. And so Hector sent out these octopus tentacles on paella topped with sweet peppers and some chopped greens with a really, really nice sauce on the paella. And I ate it and it was freaking delicious. It was great. Like the octopus was cooked very nicely and the sauce was great. So if you're an octopus eater, I recommend getting the blackened octopus uh, dish from the menu. Um, and so that that was kind of my food adventure, except for dessert. Hector sent out a dessert that was a coffee flan. So it was like a little flan covered in sort of a coffee cream and then sprinkled with some confectionery sugar and it was very delicious, and the whole experience was great, and Chef Hector was very excited to see me. Uh, his wife, Ame, happened to show up, with, and and she sat down with me and uh, helped me eat some of these giant portions of food, and it was just a really good time. And uh, so I I just, again, want to encourage everybody within the sound of my voice to get on into Bamba, get downtown, enjoy what downtown has to offer right now. Bamba is going to be one of the most sort of continental, sophisticated, European-style experiences you're going to have in Appalachia, and I can't recommend it highly enough. All right, folks. Well, that is the end of my show. I'm going to wrap it up right here. Thanks for listening. Of course, please follow me on social media, Stu Helm Food Fan uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and Substack. Please subscribe to my Substack newsletter. You can pay for a subscription if you would like to. That helps me to stay editorially independent. And I want to thank WPVM 103.7 FM, the voice of Asheville broadcasting to the world, for taking my humble podcast and turning it into a radio broadcast. All right, folks, I hope you have a wonderful week. If you eat something good, look me up and let me know about it. Bye. This episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.